0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Joseph Bianca. He's author of It's All in Your Head, a guide to health, fitness, and rediscovery in the new normal. The world is full of sexy advertisements, revolutionary gadgets, and cutting-edge diets, which all promote instant results. But these ads, gadgets, and diets actually target a small subset of young, highly motivated advanced enthusiasts and often don't address the real health and fitness issues that plague a larger aspect of our society. Obesity, anxiety and depression, liver disease, substance abuse, poor self-care practices. The vast majority of people don't have time to complete fitness regimens or the personalized motivation to stick with specialized diets. Dr. Pianca wants to start a conversation about everyday concepts that have made an enormous difference to himself and his patients. Facing physician burnout and depression, rather than writing another how-to manual, his book is a why-to guide through the complicated space of fitness and nutrition. As a practicing gastroenterologist in Rhode Island for over twenty years, he has evolved into an unexpected second career as an inspirational writer. Welcome to the show. Dr. Bianca.
1: Catherine, thank you for having me.
0: Well, I, as I have read, your journey or your mission began during COVID. So let's start with there, because this evolving into an inspirational writer uh, happened, I think, as a result of what happened to you during COVID.
1: Yeah, so it brings up this term that many providers in medicine are Confronted with burnout um, in terms of their career and their direction going forward. And I was very much a subject of that. Looking backwards, that wasn't a one night phenomenon. I believe there were numerous steps or signs that were occurring before my meltdown, if you will, early on in the pandemic, where I was just feeling beaten down by the medical system as it's evolving now, and I came up with this definition in my head that burnout for me was this feeling of being powerless to do anything to help the patients that I dedicated my entire existence to helping and myself as well. So through that experience, I fortunately had this just revelation that taking care of myself and understanding what led me to this point and how I got through some of those rough patches in the past were tools or clues on how not only could I make it through the dark days of the early pandemic, But forge ahead and maybe bring a number of people with me in finding creative solutions to just a better, healthier overall existence going forward. So I like to use the term, may the new normal be a much better normal.
0: A much better normal. And I just want to take it back a little because you said it it wasn't just the pandemic happened and then you became... Uh, depressed and, and, and experience burnout, but it's what happened to you before the pandemic, what you were doing wasn't working for you, so that when that crisis occurred, everything just kind of, I don't know if the blow-up is the word, but that's when you really started to uh, go down the tubes, and, and it, it was, nothing was working for you. So, what happened before? Give us a little history. So, medicine's
1: become a very interesting space. When I was a kid, envisioning what my career would be like, what it would be like to be a physician going forward. I knew that I would have to work very hard, sacrificing a lot to get to this point where all of that hard work and knowledge I accumulated, I would be able to effectively bring to the table, if you will, and make decisions I thought best from knowledge and experience to help my patients. As medicine has evolved over the last several decades, that has been more and more taken away from providers, where insurance companies, administrators, government, regulators, if you will, have very much... I don't want to quite use the term undermined, uh, where many of my colleagues would, but have taken away that independence, if you will, um, that essential aspect of being a good provider. And we've become secondary to other individuals making decisions when it comes to patient care. And that really taxed or ripped the fabric of my being and everything I thought my career would evolve into and because we're so dedicated to our cause and our patients we're notorious for not fighting the fight and lobbying for ourselves because we're in the trenches pretty much all the time and have become very poor advocates on what's going on around us and big business rules Uh, Whenever you have big money and lobbyists who have louder voices than you do, you are less empowered over time. And I realize now in retrospect that that was going on for a very long time. The pandemic itself then became the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. The little bit I felt left that I could provide independently as a decision-maker, was then yanked early on in the pandemic where the powers that be essentially said, hey, you're not able to see patients because we're so afraid of spreading this virus. We know so little about that you're going to have to put patients in need that are non-COVID on the shelf for a while as we sort this through. That was essentially my perspective or read on it. Um, an argument can be made; it was for the best interest of the population, et cetera. But that was just the perception I had, and things just seemed so dark, and I seemed so powerless to be able to fight my way through that particular point in time.
0: So, for you, that's when everything imploded, and then, I mean, I think you mentioned that maybe it's in the in the. Uh preface in your book, you mentioned that uh, your parents always told you if you're a doctor, you'll have no, you know, no matter what happens, you'll be able to practice medicine and, and uh, yours, it, it won't make a difference in terms of what's happening in the world or in the economy, which wasn't true. Because you also said, you, lo- you know, in terms of losing just personally losing your income and, and your patients. Um, so. And
1: f- fortunately, yeah. that was a short lived. The financial constraints, um, my practice did not fold. My organization remains strong and innovative. Um, We really did an extraordinary job in those regards in getting through the pandemic. But I think two important concepts that played a role in this was when my parents and people told me about the security involved in being a physician, I thought it would be on my terms that I would be able to make the decisions that were important for my patients and my career. I think as that was slowly taken away from all of us providers over time, um, my foundation got a bit rattled, so to speak, And then the second thing is, rather than an implosion, I went through an explosion. And basically, I mention in the book, it was as if a hundred or thousands of shards of glass that represented aspects of my life and my experiences and my visions and thoughts just flew out in front of me, all over the floor in front of me. And I realized then that I could either walk away from it all or gather up those pieces and put them back together. But maybe the picture that would be created when I did put them together would look a lot different and even look a lot better than they did before.
0: So in doing that, you wrote the book, The, the Why To Guide, as I mentioned in the beginning in the intro, instead of The How To. So diff- let's talk about the difference between a how-to manual and your book, which is a why-to Guide to help us, uh, as not only yourself, obviously, but all of us to be healthy and fit and uh, do it in a way that fits our individual needs.
1: So, as a gastroenterologist and a physician in general, I sit in a very interesting perch of perspective when it comes to listening to stories, individual experiences success stories, failures, I get to watch people's lives uh, from a bit of a distance and objectively as I listen and observe. And I also have to follow data and trends and epidemiology. And compounded by the pandemic, sort of reflective of my own life, things were not going well, as far as statistics tell us, in the space of health, fitness, obesity. We're on a very um, concerning trajectory in those regards, despite everything out there available, as you mentioned in the intro, that's revolutionary. A significant percent of the population is trending in the wrong direction in terms of health in general. And I think that was very much compounded by our situation and even the habits that we might have accumulated or exacerbated during the pandemic. So with that said, I put back on my physician cap and said, hey, this isn't working. So if I am sitting here contemplating how to make my own life better, Maybe I can get back to my original mission statement as a provider and bring it forward to a number of other people and make their lives better as well with the insight that I've gained.
0: Let's talk about and, the insight that you've gained and what we need to, what we, to, I, I think you, yeah, let's talk about the insight that you've gained and how we can apply it, which you do obviously write about in the book. To our own lives, because in the beginning, in the intro, I'm saying, you know, all the stuff they tell us to do, all the advertisements, and all the, you know, we're supposed to be doing to make ourselves healthier. We're not, because we're we're heavier, we're obese, we're fat, we're anxious, we're, uh, we are on a downward trajectory. And so, how do we turn that around?
1: And there's a psychology to that too. Remember, there are clever marketers and there is also human nature all playing against us a bit marketers will tell us hey in five easy steps or in 30 days you can look like this 20 something on fitspiration or on the cover of this fitness magazine and the reality is and well human nature is such that oh why would I commit an entire lifetime of, quote, misery? And health and fitness isn't misery. That's just become a perception um, for a number of people because it's tugging people out of their established comfort zones. So we've sort of evolved into this idea that being comfortable and not asking ourselves the difficult questions of why aren't things working and will there need to be a give and take and some sacrifices made to achieve our goals and get in a healthier direction? And the answer is absolutely yes. We need to rethink about the direction our lives have gone, how we're thinking about things, and the comfort zones we're now sitting in. So this is a conversation that starts out by saying, yes, statistics tell us we have to move in a different direction as a society and a species. This is not sustainable going forward to health and healthcare costs. In terms of the, how we do that, we need to get away from the sexy gimmicks, gimmicks and marketing and false advertising that's making money but not working. Clearly, we see it's not working for a big subset of people, and a lot of those people are not the 20-somethings that spend all day in the gym. Um, That's for sure. They're average working people like myself who have families and time constraints and obligations to meet all the time, sacrificing our own time and well-being so we need to have a tough conversation first and that's getting back to basics and learning principles of why things are failing us and how to get to that next level once we do that then it becomes much much more straightforward in how to get there
0: and Can you get, i'm going to stop you there give us an example of that give us an example of so you know we're stuck we're not doing it. It's not working for us. So we have to sit and think about why. Why, is not, why isn't this working? Uh, put that in a, in, a, in a context so we can understand that.
1: So I'm going to give a social example, and this comes pulled from my own life. There came a point where my work week was brutal, and all I looked forward to at the end of the week was getting together, and this is pre-pandemic, with friends and family having a few drinks, and a great meal. And we would do that, let's say, on a Friday night after a tough week. And that was a reward, and it was great. But then the next day, there was a cookout that we had to get to. And then on the Sunday, there was uh, sort of another uh, engagement that we had to get to. And again, with the same habits. And the thought in the back of my mind was, Okay, but once these things pass, then come Monday, I'm going to get right on track and I'm going to start my healthier existence and fitness and diet. But then Monday was just a tough day at work and I was on call that night and I got called in and I was exhausted. So Tuesday I had to catch up on sleep, so on and so forth. It was a pattern and my comfort zone to combat a very tough existence became all of these behaviors that weren't necessarily healthy. And it's easy to get swept up in this way of life. But on the other side of that, in our social circles that we form, other people love not only their comfort zones, but you in those comfort zones. And if you start doing something super healthy, well, some friends will say, that's neat, I'm going to join you. But a number of friends will say, hey, why are you doing that for? Come on, let's go out. There's a a great event at the microbrewery down the block. Or why don't we just binge watch? You know, this series on Netflix, we'll have a few drinks and then watch the game. And I think you can get the sense or the point how it's easy to get swept up on this existence we live Not so easy to talk about how to make changes to that. And that's where I started in the book, making those changes using my own examples on how I was able to incorporate healthier lifestyle, which became so valuable to me, not only psychologically and what I was dealing with in regard to what I mentioned before, but how I felt and my creativity and energy going forward—that became my addiction, and I wanted more of that. And it was a great addiction because it led me to an entirely different space and state of
0: mind. You mentioned in the book that your your patients have mentored you. Not only have you done not not only do you do mentoring, but you are mentored mentored by others, including your patients. So. How did that evolve? How how was that? um, What's the effect been on you?
1: That's one of the remaining truly beautiful parts of being a physician and a provider. That relationship that you establish and continue with patients and their families over time, where I will come into a visit and a patient I've known for 10-plus years will just look at me and profile me across the room and say, hey, before you ask me a bunch of questions on how I am, how are you doing? They genuinely care. You are always there for them no matter what. You've been there for their families. So they're looking out for you as well, and people don't realize that that relationship that happens over time in medicine. And so when a conversation occurs, I can ask questions about, hey, I noticed you lost all of this weight. How did that happen? What were your steps? And they are so happy to share their success stories and what worked. And my job is to gather all of that information that works, but also their failure stories. I gather that up, too, and put it in a package or form that I can then carry on to the next patient, and so on and so forth. And over 21 years, you develop quite the library of experience and stories and techniques, uh, criticisms, etc., that you can put that in a very powerful and productive direction towards advice. But it also helped me as well. I'm a person. I, too, struggle with certain aspects of diet, nutrition, um, emotional things, things that really uh, impacted me in a number of different ways that patients who are friends just are so willing to reach out and help me. It's been just an extraordinary part of my career and relationship with people.
0: Well, just in terms of a practical point of view, how do you, and you sort of, you touched on this in the beginning of the interview, but how do you do that, uh, or how does a physician do it? You're a gastroenterologist, but uh, in, in, in your uh, specialty, if you have 10 or 15 minutes to talk to your patients, I mean, to be able to establish those kinds of relationships. So
1: that is an art That comes over time. You are able to better get to the point of what's essential and have time allocated to other things that you're interested in talking about. And full disclosure, I do run late uh, here and there when there's something that I find extraordinary or that I have to get an answer to or I have to follow through a conversation. Usually, you make up for that in simpler, more straightforward visits. So there is a balance. There's no question about it that evolves over a career. Um, but if an individual has a story that I dial into, so to speak, and I find it will be incredibly valuable, that is as important to me as sitting down and researching journal articles, because it's practical It's real, it's basic, it's to the point. But the key term to all of this is that information resonates with a much bigger portion of the population, myself included. If you can relate to someone that puts things in real practical terms, you will have a much greater success rate than someone who pulls out these theoretical sort of concepts that you're not going to be able to relate to. And I can't be in a gym for four hours a day. I get a solid hour and I have to take the best of my own best of set list and integrate that into my life, into what works. And I've been able to do that pretty well, despite all of my busyness and crazy hobbies and obligations. And, um, it's been fun, but I've been able to pay it forward, so to speak.
0: It's quite a journey. We, all, we only have a couple minutes left, so I, I just want to make sure it's all in your head. That is the title of your book, A Guide to Health, Fitness, and Rediscovery in the New Normal. We've touched on some of the, of the uh, issues that, in the book, uh, but obviously not all of them. So tell us where we can get the book and more information about you, website, Uh, And or websites that we can go to?
1: So definitely Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I believe my website is josephpianca.com. I do post on Instagram, which is public, and I do um, TikTok uh, instructional three-minute videos, which I'm putting together a series on, for a lot of these tips, so I'm basically breaking down the book and microanalyzing it, if you will, and explaining it over time. Um, the proceeds of the book, the profits are all going to Ukraine relief, uh, so that's definitely important to me. And um, this book has inspired a, uh, a film documentary on provider burnout and art in medicine and how it can be a therapeutic tool as well.
0: Fantastic. So is the documentary now 30 seconds left, but is the documentary out or is it something that's in the future? In
1: the works, we're interviewing some of the most inspirational people in my world and my life, hoping that it it has people take a look at what's so wonderful and inspirational in their lives, uh, building something better going forward.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Joseph Bianca. It's All in Your Head, a guide to health, fitness, and rediscovery in the new normal. Great having you on the show today. Catherine,
1: thanks for having me.
0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.